Blog Talk Radio. to this week's edition of the cheapest meal presented by deep fried draft my name is brian bosarge um had a guest lined up uh something fell through so who do i call i call on the always reliable the always dependable the draft nick legend himself pigskin paul gilmet paul how are you doing on this bright shiny saturday morning well it happens to be that over here too and i'm doing fine although I'm not excited that we may set a record high today in the Orlando area. <laughs> They're talking about record highs here too. So, uh, well, you know, but climate changes uh, and all that. So, well, but anyway, you, well, you, we will, you know what? <laughs> I'll settle, I'll settle for this, Brian, because compared to hurricanes, I'm cool with the heat. Yeah, you're right about that. Well, we're going to talk about, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, the hurricane in just a second, but uh, the last time we spoke, there was change afoot uh, at at our favorite all-star event, the Senior Bowl, and uh, they didn't have a new leader at that point in time, but now they do. It's former uh, NFL scout Jim Nagy. Nagy uh, is now the uh, head of the game, and uh, so what what do you think about what you've seen everything that's gone on so far? What do you think about the uh, transition so far from Phil Savage to Jim Nagy? Well, I I think that seems to have gone pretty well. They managed to keep everybody, in particular Rob Lehockey, the the media and information director, which I think was a very important move uh, because he brought, in my opinion, he brought the Senior Bowl from the 19th century, perhaps, into the 21st century electronically. And we got a lot more information. We got it in a timely manner. The public got a lot more information. I went from viewing the Senior Bowl as a place where I went to get information about the game to the SeniorBowl.com website becoming one of my five or six preferred sources of draft and college football information. So, I'm pleased. I don't understand. I guess now's the time, right? Throw this in there. The only thing that I do not understand is the plethora of scouting hires that they just announced in the past week. Now, I'm assuming that those are part-time positions, but not to diminish what's going on here, but Brian, I think most of us pretty much know who the senior prospects are and most every one of them ends up being on televised broadcasts. Um, I guess the smaller schools, to some degree, do require a little more scouting. But I I really don't understand the All-Star Games having gone to these massive staffs. Hell, they could just basically, you know, call about 10 of us draft nicks, give us an area, and I don't know, give us a free hotel room for the week of the game and we'd be happy. 
<laughs> You're right about that. But, you know, that was one of the things we were kind of curious about is why the transition was going on. And, you know, we've I've, I've, we've talked privately about it. You know, we've both done yeah. our digging on it, on the subject. But one of the things we were wondering about was, you know, did, did Phil Savage go overboard with the scouting? Well, obviously, we now know that that wasn't one of the reasons that he was let go no, that or, or that happened because they've expanded the staff from when he was there. Yes, exactly, exactly. Although maybe maybe they put maybe they put this group of I forgot if it was six or eight. Maybe all of them combined aren't going to have the budget that Phil had. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I will say this about Jim, the last thing I'll say about Jim Nagy here. He is kind of ingratiating himself to the local populace already. He's uh, attending high school football games here every Friday night, trying to get his name and face of the game out in the uh in the general public so uh good on him for that yes exactly and and i think it was very convenient and a a good thing for the mobile sports and arts and recreation whatever the heck that committee is that nobody seems to know about but it's there um nice catch that mr nagy with all his scouting, had made Mobile his home for the last decade or so. So, in essence, they were hiring a local guy who understood, to some degree, the local uh, politics and other things involved. So, yeah, you know, getting even though it's a transplant, getting a local guy who's been in the industry uh, it may not be at the level that Phil Savage was as a GM, but uh, it, it was a really convenient move, and it has struck me that he is indeed taking this seriously. My guess is a lot less travel and moving around for him compared to bouncing from one team in the NFL to the next as a, a professional scout full-time. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, last quick thing we've talked in private again about the stadium issue and we've, we've yeah. both got our issues with Lad Stadium and uh, it seems like it's 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 run its course for the Senior Bowl as the, the timetable is now on about T-minus at, at, at maximum three years uh, the Senior Bowl is going to be played there depending on uh, how quickly South Alabama gets the financing they're, they're moving forward yep. they're, they're actively trying to get the financing now on their own. They tried to cut a deal with them, a sweetheart deal with the city. The city said no, or the city council said no, I should say. So it is what it is on that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Small, small, uh, small town minds trying to, you know, trying to be participants in the big show and uh, too many guys worried about, one business in their voting district that didn't want to see that happen, in my opinion. So, so Paul, all you got to do is cut a check to South Alabama for $10 million, and they'll name it uh, Pigskin Paul Stadium. (laughs) That's a great idea, but here's the bad news. (laughs) They're going to be sorely disappointed because that check's going to bounce all the way back to Florida. (laughs) All right, let's talk a little college football now. Two week we we've got two, three weeks in if you count week zero. Um, who's who's caught pigskin's eye here these first couple of weeks? Well, needless to say, 
the quarterback situation at Alabama where uh, first I'll give Nick a little credit for not wanting to, you know, rub it in and seem like he's ungrateful to the work that Jalen Hurts did for him for a couple of seasons after McCarron left. But at the same time, Nick is showing showing his age. You know, I, I blow up more quickly than I used to at my grandchildren. And I thought, I thought his little tirade uh, on ESPN being interviewed after the game was, was unseemly and pretty petty on his part. But what's really caught my attention about Alabama is the obvious, and that is what we saw in the NCAA championship game back in January, and that is that Alabama – besides having probably the number one all-around program, thanks to Mr. Nick, also has probably the most athletic and gifted quarterback in the country. If this kid doesn't get hurt, um, uh, he's absolutely on course to, to be a top five, if not the top draft pick in – two years. I don't think he'll stay for all four years, uh, but I think Nick will get another couple seasons. So they have caught my eye. Um, they're probably the most impressive one. I think the other thing that has struck me already and changed my mind if they start to lose sure looks to me like there is likely to be very little doubt this season that the SEC is the toughest conference in the country, you know, they've, they've caught a little bit of flack and questioning the last few seasons where once you got past Alabama and Georgia, usually it's been a little questionable how strong the bottom of that SEC has been. Looks to me like that's kind of got straightened out except, except maybe for Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas does not look great. And as a matter of fact, I've got them on upset alert this week. I think North Texas might actually be able to pull that one off. Um, we talked to you briefly talked earlier about hurricanes and uh, hurricane now tropical storm Florence uh, wreaked havoc on the college football schedule uh, this week. At least two top 25 teams had their games uh, canceled. Another South Carolina canceled. Uh, I think it was at least 40 games throughout college football yes. were affected. Um, is that, I mean, is there anything that can be done, you know, for college football going forward to maybe kind of avoid these pitfalls with, with weather? Well, or is it just I, something we're just going to have to deal with? Well, I do think to some extent, Brian, oh boy, here he goes again. Paul, that is, Pixing and Paul. Uh, tree hugger Paul comes out. You know, some of it I don't think there's much we can do because to this man who's 69 years old and has lived in various parts of the country and kind of pays attention to what happens around him, there's no doubt in my mind there is this thing called global warming going on, and one of the, one of the negative outcomes of that is that many, many storms are – more severe and more significant than they used to be. But I will say this, Brian, 
I think one thing, and I don't see the NCAA doing it, but I think one thing that would help a little bit, even though it wouldn't have helped this year per se, is if we hadn't gone from starting the season after Labor Day to starting the season even before Labor Day and you wouldn't have quite so many games susceptible to the hurricane season and you wouldn't have so many practices and games susceptible to uh, you know the, the 90s weather. I think you and I you know, are both in agreement that you know, we're sitting in places that may set record highs this weekend for temperature. Um, but no, I, I don't, and I think it is. I think it is indeed better to err on this on the side of caution. You know, maybe they could start the season a week later, and maybe they could back end the schedule in the sense that maybe each weekend half the NCAA Division One teams are scheduled to play the first couple of weeks of the season, starting after Labor Day. But you know. I, I can't see that happening because clearly what's what's transpired here is the NCAA has moved up the schedule because they see some weekends, if they start early, they see weekends where they don't have to compete with the NFL for attention and the fan dollar. And therefore, they, you know, the NCAA gets more money from television because they love to pack that in. I I just don't I don't see this much we can do. I think they are, you know, they're not going to slug it out because the networks don't want to see mud bowl games uh filling their schedule for half the month of early September. So I I think it's called a just live with it, I guess. Well, I I read I believe I read it in the athletic uh, earlier this week. Uh, maybe Stuart Mandel, I think, was the one that said it. Um, okay. Talking about maybe maybe backing the championship weekend up from what is the first Saturday in December to the Army Navy Saturday, or what is known as the Army Navy Saturday, where it's just yeah. the Army yeah. Navy game and the Heisman Trophy presentation, and then you have that extra week. You know, basically where you would have nobody scheduled to play. And then okay. if you have so these games. Updates. Yes. So you would you would play your rival game the weekend after Thanksgiving like you do now. And then instead of having a game scheduled for December 1st, or I think it's December 1st this year, you know, that your game would be scheduled on the, the following weekend and then you would have, or maybe not everybody, but you know, it would, it would, it would give I you a free mean. up that opportunity. Whereas right now, you know, uh, South Carolina's athletic director said the other day, they do not want to try to find a game for their bye week, October the 6th, uh, not sorry, right. October the 20th, because that would require them to play 10 weeks in a row. I get that. Exactly. Especially with a grueling yep. SEC schedule. And right now the only, I, I wrote a column about this the other day. The only three teams that have that week open are West Virginia. Um, I, I, I can, I, I'm blanking on the other team. It was um, it was another Power Five team, Virginia Tech. It was West okay. Virginia, Virginia Tech, okay. and Hampton, uh, FCS Hampton. 
South. <laughs> West Virginia and Virginia Tech both play Thursday games after that date. That's why they had that date open. They play gotcha. Thursday night games. Uh, and you already have an FCS team scheduled later in the year. So you don't want to play Hampton, obviously. Now, I'm sure Hampton would love right. a paycheck, but it is what yes, it is. Yes, exactly. So, so now you're basically basing it on that you're not going to play in the SEC championship game, which that that dream ended last Saturday. So now you're trying to, <laughs> you know, maybe uh, your your contingency is that maybe Marshall or somebody else doesn't schedule a game for the SEC champ or the championship weekend, and you can make that game up, or maybe you just play right. eleven games. I, I don't know, but. Uh, what games are you watching today? Um, I am keying in on, believe it or not, Vanderbilt and Notre Dame. Because I, I just have a sneaking feeling that having watched Notre Dame fumble around and intercept around last week, Winbush looked like the Winbush of old, um, this could be a major upset. Vanderbilt's got a solid team. They can't win every weekend in the SEC. But the way Notre Dame looked last week, I could see that being a big deal. I'm also looking uh, with interested eyes at the Boise State-Oklahoma State game. I want to see how good Boise State is because right now I would say that they might be the favorite to come out of the group of five and get themselves a major bowl bid. I think the best game of the day is LSU at Auburn. And I think Auburn can really stake a claim to being a pretender to the throne, at least uh, until they play the iron bowl later in the season, if they don't slip up, uh, Alabama Ole Miss is probably worth it just to see uh, if Nick Saban can keep from going crazy having to play a basketball-like game of constant scoring. Ohio State at TCU, interesting game, I think. TCU is not quite as talented as Ohio State, but Gary, I think Gary Peterson is one of the underrated coaches in Division I college football and it would just take a little bit of a slip, and Ohio State could fall. The other side of it could be Ohio State could really take care of TCU, and all of a sudden Ohio State has a Heisman candidate quarterback on their hands that most people don't even know who the kid is. And then I want to see Southern Cal play Texas. I want, you know, Texas is off to a mediocre slow start, and if USC buries them, uh, then I don't think anybody's going to be after Tom Herman's scalp quite yet. But it certainly is going to say something about how far the team has to come back to the glory days. How about you? What are you, I was what glad, are you watching? I was glad to hear you say that uh, you also think Notre Dame may lose today because that was one of my three upsets uh, in my column I wrote yesterday, uh, I, I think Vanderbilt can win this game outright. At the very least, it's going to be close. Um, yes. Like I said, I also had Arkansas falling, uh, and you, um, 
you you wrote about uh, at GBN report uh, Boise State and Oklahoma State. I, I think Boise State's probably going to win that game outright too. That's a good team uh, that that uh, they've got up there this year. Yeah, it's it's you know it's been a solid program up there. Um, I find it interesting that you know their quarterback is Mark Rippon's son. Uh, that I wish it was his daughter, uh, but. You know she's in the ladies' lingerie league, so we can't can't get her her in on that game. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I think that league is still in, in existence. If not, she's got eligibility <laughs> left. <laughs> oh, um, I had no idea but, it existed to begin with. So, <laughs> oh well, that was that was the one that cropped up about ten years ago as an alternative. At the halftime of the Super Bowl, they have a lingerie football game. And believe it or not, you know, why not? If w, if if wrestling can can have its own network and be on TV all the time and, and fill the uh, local auditoriums, why not lingerie football, right? Well, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, th- I think Boise is a very interesting team. Uh, can you imagine how highly they might be ranked? I know this is an unrealistic question because he's too good for that. But imagine how highly they might be considered with that offense they've got. And if Leighton Vander Esch wasn't playing for the Dallas Cowboys and had stayed in school for another year, whoa. You could be talking about a dark horse playoff team. Uh Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little NFL right quick. Uh, last uh, okay. Sunday night, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. What, what did you think of watching that, Paul? Um, well, first my heart went up into my throat. You got to remember, I lived in Wisconsin for forty years and raised my family, and they finally wore me down, and I became a Packer fan because you can't be up there and not be. Um, and I, I thought. You know, my first thought was when he went down, it was like, oh, my God, this is going to be, you know, the the Packers season is over. And anybody who saw Deshaun Kaiser do his thing in the last five minutes of the first half can have little doubt that once again, if Rodgers isn't playing, the Packers are one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're in the bottom ten. I thought – what he did out there was tremendous, obviously. And I, I loved his comment that sitting behind and sharing practice reps in a locker room with Brett Favre, given his toughness, there was no way that Aaron Rodgers couldn't learn that he had to be and how to be tough enough to play in the NFL on a regular basis. But, it was it was a tremendous show, great outcome, and now I'm going to flat out maybe this was going to be your next question. If I am the Packers, Aaron Rodgers doesn't get out of the locker room for this week's game. Um, you know, this is the team, Anthony Barr, and it was not a dirty hit. This is the team that put Aaron Rodgers out last year breaking his collarbone. And it is a it is a underrated rivalry between the Vikings and the Packers. 
And it hasn't been helped that every time the Packers would cut somebody while the Vikings were rebuilding, including a Brett Favre, the Vikings would hop on board and sign that guy. Um, So there's no love lost. I don't think it's worth the risk to put Rodgers out there, uh, even though supposedly one of the doctors or trainers said, uh, you can't, the kind of injury he's got, we can't make much worse. Okay, I'm not believing that because even if it's not the knee itself, if he's hobbling and he's a wounded duck out there, uh, there's many other injuries that they could inflict upon him because he's an easier target than he usually is. Um, so I'm writing this game off, even though it's a home divisional game. If I'm the Packers brass, Aaron Rodgers can go have a fun weekend somewhere with Danica Patrick. Last thing on the NFL and the last thing we'll talk about today, what was, what do you feel is the biggest overreaction from week one in the NFL? Um, I think perhaps, um, and I, and in some of these, I'm not sure if, if, if it really was a reaction or not. Uh, I'll say one of the, one of the biggest things, uh, and it's, it's not an overreaction in a sense. Actually, can I do it on the opposite? One that people should be overreacting to, but they're not. Okay this myth that the Dallas Cowboys are a good team. Okay. And that it's a shock that they didn't win last weekend. And it's a shock. Now it's coming out this week that maybe part of the problem in big D is that Jason Garrett and his staff are basically coaching the same way with the same playbook that they were coaching when he was a rookie head coach with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and yet it's not overreaction because in general people are still deciding that they're the guys. They just got to get the, they just got to hand it off to Ezekiel Elliott anymore and uh, everything will be okay. Um, I'm going to call it under overreaction. The Cowboys are mediocre to poor team, period. Okay. Well, you know the reason that everybody talks about the Cowboys all the time because I can guarantee you when the ratings come out Monday morning for that Sunday night game with the Giants, it's going to be huge, even if both teams are not good. Yeah, well, you've got, you know, a huge, obviously, you've got two of the biggest cities in the United States, and they both love their sports. And on the one hand, you've got tradition, and that's the Giants, in my opinion because I'm an old guy. They were around before the Cowboys existed. And in the case of the Cowboys, you know, Jerry Jones is a fast-talking snake oil salesman, and people buy his crap, and they have for decades. Um, And, you know, I'll, I'll stand by it, and I'll still say, okay, how many playoff wins do the Cowboys have in this century? Um. But you're right. They still draw. Might be because Texas has such a huge population, um, and yet they they don't have quite as many teams as we do down here in Florida to divide all the attention amongst. So, um, 
I guess part of part of my reason for not having a great answer for that one for you, Brian, is that bottom line, I've gotten to the stage now where I watch very little NFL Network uh, and ESPN, NFL Live, and things of that nature because there's so much gas bagging going on that I can't take it. And I'll watch the replays oh, of the games, uh, you know. Yeah, that's me. I mean, I, if it's not a live game, I, I'm probably not watching a sports network anymore. It's It's got to that. Any, yeah. any news I need to see, it's going to get broke on Twitter now. So, I mean, exactly. it, it is what it is. But, but uh, Paul, uh, thank you for joining me here on short notice. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. It's good to talk to you. And you know what? We're down the home stretch, Brian. It's less than half a year <laughs> till the next senior bowl. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That's sir. right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. That was Pigskin Paul, a good friend of the show, good friend of mine. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Pigskin Paul. You can read all of his uh, everything that he does at GBNReport.com. Uh, good friend of the show. Uh, love having him on. Uh, so that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, at Deep Fried Draft. Find all of my work that I write at deepfrieddraft.com or wblzmedia.com, where I'll also do some writing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time.